this morning. I'll try to be brief because I understand the time. Um, a couple things before I jump in. I just want to let you know that typically on Sunday morning, I, I really try, because I realize that most people forget about 90% or whatever of uh, what I say. Um, before, you know, the end of the day, you're going to forget most of what I say here. So normally I just try to really focus in on one verse and, and a kind of a key thought or whatever. But in this message uh, series that I'm in right now, um, what I'm preaching now for you, some of you will not be controversial at all, and it won't be like, it'll be like, well, no, duh, that's the way it is. But I, I realize that in the church, uh, when I talk about what I'm going to talk about today, uh, whether Pentecostal, not Pentecostal, Charismatic, Baptist, wherever you're at, no matter how you approach this subject, you're going to cause controversy with somebody. And so instead of really focusing in on one verse or uh, you know, two or whatever today, I'm going to hit you with a lot of verses, but I'm going to go really, really quickly. So I want to encourage you, if you don't have the notes, I'm making those available to you um, every week, but today especially because we're going to go really, really quickly uh, through these verses. I'm just going to read them, and we're going to move on to the next verse. But the reason I'm doing that is because my, my desire in this message and in the series is I don't want you to believe what I say because I say it. I want to bring the word to you, and then I want to say, look, this is what the word says. Now you do without what you want. Because, because Pastor Tom can say something, Pastor JoJo can say something, Pastor Billy Bob can say something, and everybody says they're right, but they're saying different things. And, and that, that's, that causes confusion in the body of Christ. And so I don't want you to take what I say because I say it. I want to take, as we go through this, and I want you to look at the verses and, and today will be a little bit different in this as well, is that I'm going to ask you some questions throughout today. So if you're on the live stream, I guess you could just type them into the chat there. If you're in here, I'm going to ask you some questions because I want you to see for yourself. I don't want to sit here and tell you. I want you to see uh, because at the end of this, I want us to understand what this is about this morning. And so let's jump right into this. Again, I'm going to try to go really quick. I'm going to read a lot of verses, okay? And I'm going to start with this, the bottom line for this whole series is this, a fulfilled commission flows from a spirit-filled Christian. A fulfilled commission flows from a spirit-filled Christian. Now, I don't think that mostly in any, you know, maybe evangelical or gospel preaching church that that, that little bottom line there would be all that controversial. Where we get a little controversial is when we start talking about what it means to be spirit-filled. And, and, and you go to one church and they'll say, well, this is what it means. You get saved and then you're filled with the Spirit. And then another church, they'll say, well, no, you, you, you get saved and then there's another, another thing that happens and you get filled with the Spirit after you've been saved. And, and some people say you need another thing and some people say you don't. And some people say none of that is relevant. It all ended back with the apostles and all of that. So, again, today I, I'm going to take you to the Word. But I want you to know this. If you want to fulfill the commission in your life, Listen to me this morning. If you want to live a holy life, if you want to live a victorious life, one of my things in the church right now is I feel like we're in a season, and I'm not saying this for an amen, so I want you to, to ingest this into yourself. I believe that we're in a season when a lot of these things that some of you have been struggling with for months and months and months, that God's saying that's enough, it's time to move on, and, and we're not going to move on just by saying things and, and saying, well, this and that and the other thing. We're going to move by by understanding truth, by getting that truth inside of us and then letting the Holy Spirit empower that truth so that it drives that garbage out of our lives. So when we're praying, 
constantly, we pray at every prayer meeting, just about every Sunday and every meeting, that God will drive out addiction and drive out depression and drive out discouragement and drive out the lies of the enemy that he's placed on us about our identity and who we are in Christ, to drive out all of those things. And I think that we're in a season where that we should walk in a strong expectation that those things are just going to start falling off of us. So some of you that have been walking under these, these, these dark clouds for a long time and you're saying, well, I don't know if I'll ever get past this. I believe we're in a season when God says enough is enough. It's time to walk on by that thing. But in order for that to happen, you've got to walk with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you operating. Right? Amen. I didn't get one amen on that. You guys still here this morning? Because I'm going to help you. If you want to fulfill the purpose of your life, the commission of your life, that's going to come when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we've been sort of basing this whole thing off of Mark chapter 16. And I wasn't going to read this this morning, but I just I, I thought last minute I'm going to read this to you. Mark 16, verse 15, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is our mandate. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with him and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Now, we were talking about kind of the premise of this whole series that if you just had that, if that's all you had of the Bible and you read that, you would think that he told the disciples to go preach the gospel and do miracles, and then he went up into heaven, and then they just went off and started doing miracles, right? But we know, scripturally speaking, that that's not what happened. The problem is, if that's all we have, then what we think we need to do in our life is we have a commission to go and preach and to do miracles and cast out devils and speak in tongues. And we think if they just went out and did it, we should just go out and do it. And we go out and we try it and we fall flat on our face. And there's something missing. There's a missing ingredient. So we've been talking about that missing ingredient, which was that they didn't just hear that and go out and do it, that they went, according to other words that Jesus spoke, that they went to Jerusalem and they waited for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And the same Holy Spirit that poured out in the upper room 2,000 years ago is the same Holy Spirit that he wants to pour out in us today. Now, some of you say, well, I was already baptized in the Spirit 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 20 years ago. Listen, it doesn't matter if you were baptized in the Holy Spirit an hour ago. He wants to touch you again so that you can be empowered to live the life that he's called you to live. So that you can be empowered to walk in the identity that he says you need to walk in. So that you can be empowered to preach the gospel, to make disciples, to do miracles and signs and wonders. It did not go away when the, when the disciples died or the apostles died. It didn't go away when we got the canon of the scripture. Like some people say, it didn't go away. The same spirit that poured out back then is the same spirit that God wants to pour out on us right now. And so we have to understand that that missing ingredient that we need is the Holy Spirit. Let's see, baptism in the Holy Spirit, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm emphasizing those words in and with because there is confusion in the body of Christ over what these baptisms are, and that's what I want to hit you with today. And so I know that when I say this, some of you are going to scratch your head and say, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm, in, I don't know if I'm getting it. I don't know if I'm with you on this one, Pastor. So that's why I'm just going to read the verse, and I'm going to ask you questions, and then we're going to roll through this this morning, all right? So there are three baptisms, 
uh, that we are to undergo as believers in Christ. Now, most of the time, in a lot of the church, we think there's only two. And two of them, we conflate together all the time in such a way that we don't realize that we're taking two different things and we're making them one thing. And so oftentimes we're missing, uh, we're missing something God wants to do in our life because we think we've got something that we're not quite walking in just yet. Okay, and so I'm going to give you the spoiler right here at the beginning. If you're in your notes, if you don't have your notes, please get them. Get them on your phone, and we should have some more whatever. Here are the three baptisms. And again, some people will go, you're wrong on this, Pastor, but I'm going to take you into the Word. You, you, you decide. There is what is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, for most of you, most of us in the church, I know some of you have heard me preach this before, but if you don't know what that means, you think that means something other than what it means. So there's the baptism of, everybody say of. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a baptism in water. We don't really, no, no one has a problem with that one. Everybody knows we're supposed to do that, right? And then there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And everybody say in. Now the problem we have in the church is sometimes we take the of and the in and we put them together and we think it's the same thing. But it's not. And so I, I want to look at these today. And I hope this is going to be helpful to you. So let's, let's first look at what this word baptized means, to be baptized. If there are three baptisms, what does that even mean? So this word baptism is the word baptizo. And I'm just giving you this for the definition's sake. It means to dip repeatedly or to immerse. I put that in your notes. There are three things that we need to be immersed in when it comes to our relationship with God. Everybody say, immerse me, Jesus. Immerse me, to submerge, to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, to make clean with water, to wash, to bathe, to overwhelm. Okay, and so we need to be immersed in three things as it relates to our relationship with God. And the first one is this, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, of, not in. Say that one more time. Say, of, not in. See, there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. If I say something is of something, what does that mean? from okay if i say if i say the baptism of tom that means tom's doing the baptism right if i say the baptism in tom that means something completely different does it does it not if it's of me or if it's in me that's two different things so this first thing i want to hit you with this morning is the baptism of the holy spirit what would that obviously well okay let's read the verse first corinthians chapter 12 verse 13 before i read that i want to say to you in first corinthians 12 13, 14, we have the, this, amazing, uh, this amazing writing that the Apostle Paul lays out talking about the spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. And he says, every one of us has a part in the body of Christ. And each one of us is gifted with very certain things that God gifted us with so that we could bring those gifts into the body of Christ. And my part can go together with Ed's part and Becky's part and Jonathan's part and Bruce's part. And when all our parts come together, then we operate in the fullness of what he wants for our body. Amen? There's no lone rangers in the body of Christ. If you're rolling out there on your own, you're wrong. You're just wrong. You're wrong. Because he's given you gifts for the body, and he's given you the body for your gifts. And so that's what's going on in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, he says this. He says, and man, I, walked, I was walking with Jesus for a long Can I just share a short testimony? Short, 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 short. I was walking with Jesus for a long time. I was already in ministry 
before I ever like one day heard, heard someone teaching on this right here and went, holy cow, there's something I did not see for my entire walk with God. Because I just, I just all my life, I was like, get saved, get baptized, get filled with the Holy Ghost, and then you roll on. But I didn't realize that there was a baptism involved with that that I didn't know about. And so watch this. In 1 Corinthians 12, the, the reason I want to key in on this for one moment, I'm, I'm going to get to the verse. The reason I want to key in on this is because this is how some of you will be able to walk past that struggle that you've been struggling with for a long time. And, 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 I, and this, this is related to salvation. You're like, well, I'm already saved. But there's sometimes there's an aspect of truth that we can gain that helps us to, to take a step forward, right, in our, in our walk with God that maybe we had but we didn't quite understand. Okay? And so in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, it says this, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Now, there's three questions I'm going to ask you guys throughout this. I'm going to ask you this three times. I'm going to ask you, who is the baptizer? Who is being baptized? And what are you being baptized into? Okay? So, let's read that again. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Now, let me ask you the question. Who in that verse, who is the baptizer? Ooh, say it out loud. The Holy Spirit. Who's being baptized? We are. And what are we being baptized into? Into the body of Christ. Okay, can we bring that up, Tammy? I asked Tammy to hold off to bring these up until I could ask you guys the questions. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, now, do you, you see this? It's not pastor trying to shove something down your throat on, on theology here, right? It says, by one spirit we were baptized. That means the Holy Spirit is the one doing the baptizing, right? Right? And, and who is it that's being baptized? Anybody that comes into the body of Christ. And what are we being baptized into? We're being baptized into the body. So what does that mean for us? What that means is when you, when you repent, when you confess your sins and you turn your life over to Jesus, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, you pray that sinner's prayer, through that prayer and through that, pr that prayer of faith, you are baptized into the body of Christ. You are immersed into the body. This is why we can't be lone rangers. Because, it, oh, oh, this is why we can't be lone rangers. Because at the moment we come into a saving faith in Jesus, we are baptized, we are immersed in a body. We can't then be successful in our walk with God if we remove ourselves from that immersion, so to speak. And so we, when we say, Lord, save me, come into my life, forgive me of my sins, we are baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, here's the good news about this baptism. Here's where there may be some of you that might be like, oh, that's that. And maybe you can just grab a truth that might set you free this morning. When you are baptized into the body of Christ, you become, now I'm going to say this, and when I say it, it's going to go right over our heads because we, we've heard it. But we have to think about the ramifications of what it means, if true. If true, what I'm about to say changes everything. It changes the way that you think. It changes, it changes what, what your relationship is with your past. It changes your relationship with who you are right now, and it changes who you are going to be in the future. When you are baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit, by your prayer of confession, salvation, you become brand new.
Now, don't say amen unless you're going to walk out of here and walk that. Because, I mean, I preach, these, I preach it and I preach it and you hear it and you sing it and, and you, you listen to John Corson preach it on the radio and then we walk back out and we still want to identify with who he used to be. Right? Whether, whether, it's, whether it's our sin, whether it's our failure, whether it's how people view us, whether it's we think we're worthy or we're not worthy, whether we think we're good people or not good people, or, or whether I, I, I came out of an addiction into faith and so I'm always going to be this person that I was back then. But when you come into a saving faith with Jesus, you become a new person. Everybody do that. It's like that. See, that newness is like that. Sometimes to walk that out can take decades. Can I get an amen on that? But when you pray the prayer and you are baptized into the listen, you can't come into the body of Christ unless you go through the doorway of the Holy Spirit there and Jesus. So if the Holy Spirit brought you in, you're good. We come in, oh, God, oh, Father, oh, Lord, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, help me. And it's like, chill, the Holy Spirit brought you in here. If I, if I go to visit the president, I promise you I'm not just going to go walking into the Oval Office. But if the chief of staff and, and his head, his head uh, secret service guy, they wave at me and say, come over here. The president said it's all right to come in. And I'm ushered in to the Oval Office by the chief of staff and the head of security, then I know it's okay for me to be in there. Once I'm already in there, I don't have to say, oh, I'm not worthy. You're worthy. You're not worthy because of you. You're worthy because of the blood of Jesus. And when you pray the prayer and he forgives you of your sin, the Holy Spirit says, come on in. It's good. The water's good. You become new. Now, some of you are like, no, I don't think it's true. Okay, well, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Is the word have past, present, or future? It's past. All things have become new. Why are we still struggling to get something that we already have? Ron, Ron yelled out present there. It is present, but it's only present because it's past. When you are ushered in to, to faith by the Holy Spirit, all things have become new and old things have passed away. Now, the enemy is going to come and continually be like, nope, nope, nope. I don't care what that pastor says. I don't care what Paul said. I don't care what Jesus said. I don't care what Peter said. I don't care what God himself on the throne says. You're not worthy. We live our lives that way. We live our lives that way. I live my life that way. Let me turn this around. You guys are perfect. I live my life that way. Oh, Lord, I fell down again. You've already been made new. Just repent and move on. Oh, but, Lord, I can't do it. I can't do it. The Holy Ghost brought me in. If the Holy Ghost brings me in, I'm good. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. 
Now, you may be walking that out. You may be struggling along your way, and it's totally fine if you're walking it out and you're struggling along your way. It's totally fine. But where you have to come from, Wednesday night, if any of you caught the Bible study, if you didn't, I don't know why, it was fantastic. But on Wednesday night, I was talking about the fact that we were coming from a place of victory, that we fight from victory, not for victory. We're not trying to overcome. We've already overcome. We're just walking to that mountain. We're climbing a mountain that God has already said is yours. Caleb, Caleb went, and he's 85 years old. I'm too old for Jesus. Caleb was 85 years old. He was out there slaying giants. He looked at a mountain that, that Moses said he could have a long time ago, and he said, look, here's the deal. I'm just as good now at 85 as I was back then, so I'm going to go climb that mountain. Now, now let me tell you something. Caleb owned that mountain. That was his mountain. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That, that mountain was already his, but there were giants in between him and the top of the mountain. So just because it's yours don't mean you're not going to fight a battle along the way, but you have to know that that thing has already been given to you. You have been made new in Christ Jesus at the moment that you prayed the prayer of faith. You're baptized into the body by the Holy Spirit. And even though you're still climbing the mountain of righteousness, you have to know that that is who you are. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, I'm not in. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, the second one is this, the baptism in water. And I'm going to do this really quick because I think most of you don't have a problem with that. In Mark 16 that we read, it says, Go unto all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. In Matthew 3, verse 11, John said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Who is he? He is not. He who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That, okay, that's somebody different. That's not the Holy Spirit. We'll get to that in just a minute. Hold on to that one. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptize, if you are in a discipleship group, you ought to have this one memorized. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Watch this. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Christ. Then you will receive the promise of the Father. What is the promise of the Father we talked about last week? The Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. So I just want you to notice in that, and then we're going to come back to it as well. He says, repent. That's salvation, right? Let every one of you be baptized. That's water, right? Then you will receive the promise of the Father. Do you see three different things in that verse? All right. Hold on to that. We're going to come back to it. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Christ. Now we're talking about water baptism. Who is the baptizer? Baptism in water. How many of you, how many of you got baptized by me? Okay, a few of you. Who was the baptizer? I was. In Matthew 3.11, John said, I baptize you. Right? The disciple. They're, they're cheating back there. In water baptism, the baptizer is one of us. If you're in the church, generally be me and Ann or, or one of us or whatever the case is. But listen to me. Who is the baptizer with water? It's a disciple. Who's being baptized? The believer. And what are you being baptized into? Identifying with who I am now, not who I was. Right? 
What, what does the word say in Colossians 2.11? It says this. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised. This is talking about salvation, right? When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Man, that is so good. And, and I have to get past that one to get to the, the crux here, but so good. Check this out. When you come to faith in Christ, I want you to notice that the, the being baptized in water does not save you. This is why in our church we do not do infant baptism. Right? We don't baptize anybody until we know that they understand what baptism means. Because baptism does not, cannot, and will not save you. You'll notice in that verse there, what does it say? You were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God. You'll notice that you were already saved before you were baptized. But your baptism was your, your symbolic, this is in your notes, the symbolic symbolism of dying to who you used to be as Christ died and raising up into new life as Christ raised from the dead. So when I'm baptized, when I get baptized, and this is funny because when I was young, I got saved at every youth camp. Like every youth camp I got saved. I don't know what happened in between, but I get convicted and I get saved and I get baptized at every youth camp. Like every, every year I get baptized. I, I guess it never took what was really happening, and maybe I needed to be dunked over and over to get it right. I don't know. Maybe I should do it again sometimes. But listen, the, the point of the matter is when I get baptized, I am, I am making a public confession that you are witnessing that I am dying to my old self, and that when I come back up, I am a new person in Christ, and, and this is my death and my resurrection to identify with what it is that I did when I prayed the prayer of faith to receive Christ into my life, which he baptized me into the body with. Amen? So when, I, when I'm baptized, I, I am my, for myself. I'm going down, and I'm leaving my old life behind there. I was addicted to pornography, but I'm coming up out of here new. I was addicted to myself, but I'm coming up out of here new. I, I went down there as someone that used to like to drink alcohol, but I come up somebody new. Right? I went down an angry person. I came up somebody new. Now, does that, never, does that mean I'm never tempted again? You never struggle again? You never have a bad day again? It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that you say, from this day forward, that's not who I am. So, therefore, if I start doing something that does not line up with who I'm supposed to be in God, I don't identify with that anymore. That's not who I am. Listen, that was better than one amen. Before you receive Jesus, you are that sinner. You are that adulterer. You are that immoral person. You are that broken down addict. You are that person. But when you receive Christ into your life, you're baptized into the body. You lay that down in the waters of baptism and you come back up. Now even when you struggle in your sin, you don't identify. That's not who I am anymore. It's just some stupid thing I did. And God, I need you to forgive me for that because I, I know that I messed up again, but I also understand that's not who I am anymore. In you, I am the righteousness of Christ. I am a child of God. I am a son or daughter of the, the create, God creating universe, universe 
creating God. I am your son. And I struggle. But that's who I am. And whatever the enemy wants to say, whatever anybody else wants to say, whatever my buddies and my friends and, and, and my, 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 my sisters that used to be knowing who I was and they think that's still who I am, that's not who I am anymore. I don't identify with that because I died and I came alive in the waters of baptism. But that, that, that water baptism is a symbolic thing that's a response to something that God has already done in your life. Amen? Now, let's move on to the next one. This is where we want to get to. What was the first baptism? Baptism in the Holy Spirit or of the Holy Spirit? Of. The second one is in water. The third one is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Everybody say in, not of. In is different than of. Now, here's where I'm going to hit you with a whole bunch of verses. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13 to you again, and then we're going to roll over there, and I'm going to read some verses to you. Here's 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Who did that baptizing? The Holy Spirit did. Now let me hit you with these verses. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Some of them I already read, but I want to look at them in a different context. Matthew 3, 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. Who is that? Jesus. He's mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, before I go on to that, I want to just point out to hear this word with. When it says baptize you with the Holy Spirit. When I talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit, those two words are interchangeable. Okay? And I'll, I'll tell you why. Because when I read it there, it says with the Holy Spirit. But that word with is the word en in Greek, E-N, and 1,902 times. Is that enough confirmations? Okay. 1,902 times in the New Testament, that word is translated as the word in. So if we say with the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the same thing, okay? And, but that's not of. Right? Okay. So, so whenever I say with here, you need to read that as with or in, in the Holy Spirit. So Mark chapter 1, verse 8, I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3, 16. Now you're like, this is the same verse, Pastor. I know that. I'm reading these for a reason. In Luke 3, 16, we're talking about the same account. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John 1, 33. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Who did John see the Holy Spirit descend upon? Jesus. Jesus. Now, why did I read the same account in all four Gospels? Because it's interesting to me that this account of John saying he will baptize you with or in the Holy Spirit is in all four Gospels. Now, you're going to say, so what? What's the big deal about that? Because if you've never done this study, you will be shocked to realize how much stuff is not in the four Gospels. Almost everything that's in the Gospels is not in all four of them. Okay? Does, does that click in anybody's head why that might be important? 
There are some things that are only mentioned in one gospel, or maybe they're in two, or maybe, maybe they're in three, or maybe they're in all four. But the things that are in all four are things like the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. You know that Jesus' birth isn't even in all four gospels? Mark starts with, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus, and then just goes into, like, miracle stuff that he does. His birth was not even, as awesome as his birth is, and we spend months and hundreds of dollars celebrating his birth every year. Maybe that's not his birth we're celebrating, but you know what I mean. Even his birth is not mentioned in all four Gospels. But all four of the Gospel writers thought it important to include that John said, there will be one who comes, oh, man, All four of them thought it was important enough for us to know that there was one coming after him that would baptize them with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And it's not just in the Gospels. In Acts chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus said this. He said, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in all Judea. Uh, Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, who is the baptizer? Jesus. Who's being baptized? We are, the believers. And what are we being baptized into? Power. This is what, I should have got at least one shaky amen on that. Let me read Acts 1-8, lest we missed it. I know it's getting late here. I'm almost done. Hang in with me. But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So all four gospel writers thought it important to include this. Jesus himself, at the beginning of Luke's account in the book of Acts, says Jesus himself said, you will receive the Holy Spirit not many days from now, and that Holy Spirit is going to give you power. Now the word power, we're going to do it again because we did it last week, but is that word dunamis. And that's the power to to do miracles, the power of armies, the power of money, the power to live a moral life. No, I just can't overcome my sin. I just can't overcome my failure. I just can't overcome my identity issues. The literal definition of that word dunamis is that you will receive power to, to be able to live the moral life that God wants you to live. Because I know I can't. I'm the first one to tell you I cannot of my own will and my own desire and my own no matter what I struggle or how hard I try, I cannot live the life that he wants me to live. And weirdly, here's where you get controversial with some people. Even if you, oh, man. Even if you're saved and on your way to heaven, you still do not have it in you to be able to do it. Did the Holy Spirit bring you in? Yes. Are you saved? Yes. Is he, is he starting to lead you and guide you? Yes. But how many of you know you can be saved and on your way to heaven and still like living in the ditch all of your life? All four gospel writers and Jesus himself and I, I could re- read you long passages from the book of John that I'm going to not read today, but I encourage you to go read them. When he says, look, when I leave, I'm going back to my father, but when I leave, you wait because I'm sending you a comforter. 
and he's going he's gonna to help you. He's going to guide you. He's going to anoint you. The message David preached a few weeks ago, he's going to anoint you, and he's going to anoint you with power, and it's going to be the power to live the life that, that I have designed for you to live. Well, I can't do it. I know I can't do it. I know, I know you can't do it either, but just wait. If you wait, you will receive the power, and you will overcome. And so the, the baptizer in this one here is Jesus. Now, this is why we can't conflate the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the baptism in the Holy Spirit because they're two different things. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is bringing me into the body. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is Jesus is baptizing me with the Holy Spirit so that I can have power to live the life that he wants me to live. Amen? See, a lot of us, we don't have trouble understanding Water, water baptism, and we probably could get our heads around that maybe, okay, the Holy Spirit brings me into the body. I get that. But when I say, look, we have to get to the place in our church where we will, back, back I'm old, I'm an old guy, and so back in, in my old, old guy days, they used to say you got to get down there and you got to tarry, you got to tarry until you get endued with power. See, I, I cut my teeth on this stuff. Stuff, stuff that was just like, well, yeah, that's how you do it, because I was seven years old when I started seeing this stuff. Because my parents started taking me to church, and we had the Sunday nights where the, the pastor would preach, and we'd stay there for hours until someone got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And everybody just knew that's what you did. Right? I was sleeping under the pew. I'm looking under the pew at people over on the floor weeping, and I'm like, I don't know why these people are all crying. I just want to go home and eat dinner. Why do we have to wait so long? Because they were waiting to get that power to overcome. Well, you get that when you get saved. Okay, well, let me go on here because then I'm going to wrap up, okay? Ed's like, amen, hurry up and wrap up. <laughs> I'm going to slow down just for you. It's, all, it's Ed's fault, everybody. I'm taking so long today. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Now. Three baptisms. I want to show you a couple patterns, then we're done, right? In Acts 2.38, now, what are the three baptisms? Baptism of the Holy Spirit comes at salvation, right? Baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Watch what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. <coughs> Excuse me. Peter preaches this amazing message in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit falls on them. They're all filled. They're speaking in tongues. They're doing the stuff. Peter preaches, and they say, what should we do? You come to verse 38. Peter said to them, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, look for yourself with your own eyes. Are there three different things that he... Now, this, this also is important. And I realize it's late, but just let me get this. The very first gospel get saved message that is ever preached. You realize that's what this is, right? This is the first one. Peter preaches. You killed Jesus and he came back to life and you missed him and, 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 and through his blood and he preaches the gospel. And they said, what should we do? And Peter's response is repent, get baptized in water, and get filled with the Holy Spirit. There's three things, right? Let's go on to Acts chapter 8, verses 14. This is in your notes. Look for three things. Look for three things, all right? Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, what, what does that mean? 
uh, well, you don't know. But in a lot of translations of the Bible, that word received there means accepted. You may be reading a translation that says accepted. Okay? So, so let me read it that way. He said to them, did, uh, excuse me. Now the apostles who are in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. That means that they had got it, right? They sent Peter and John to them who, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. They were saved but not filled. See that? For as yet he had, not, he had fallen upon none of them. Well, if you get it at salvation, then why did he not fall on any of them? Well, that's the way it was back in the old days. Okay, we're going to hit that moving on. We'll get to that too. Verse 16, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. What is that? Water baptism. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Well, okay, um, I want to say something, but let's move on. Acts chapter 19, verse 2. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they had already believed, right? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Now I want you to notice there that this is not the Jesus baptism. This was the John baptism, right? Because this is they didn't know about Jesus quite yet. But they were believing the stuff, right? And so it goes on there and it says, Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people, that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus, which is in all four Gospels. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, there was their salvation and baptism. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now, can I ask you a question? Is Paul stupid? I'll get myself in trouble with this. But there's probably three-quarters of the church out there that thinks Paul is a complete idiot. Totally. Because, because they'll say they believe in Paul, and let's study the, the epistles, and let's live our lives by the epistles. But when you say you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they say, no, that's not, that, that's, that you get that when you get saved. You get that when you get saved. So you don't need that baptism. In the Holy. Well, if you get it when you get saved, then why is Paul asking them if they got it when they believed? Anybody? Paul is either an idiot or there's something else going on there. Now, I, I think I mentioned this last week and it's probably going to come up next week too. Some people say, well, it was that way then, but then when we got the Bible, it didn't work that way anymore. There's two problems with that. The first problem is it's not true. The second problem is it's not true because you can't point to it anywhere in the Scripture. Now, when I say that, the people that don't believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit will say, I got you, I got you, I got the verses. And then they'll come and start reading verses to me, and I'll say, that doesn't say that. And they'll say, yeah, but that's what it means. No. If it doesn't say it, that's not what it means. They'll say in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says when all things are made perfect, then we don't need the tongues and all that anymore. I'm not going to read that, but you can read it for yourself, 1 Corinthians 13. And what that means is when we got the whole Bible, that we don't need that speaking in tongues and that prophecy stuff anymore. And it doesn't say that. And they'll start pulling out a litany of verses and say this means 
that you don't need it anymore. This means that tongues aren't relevant anymore. This means that prophecy is not for the church anymore. And yet those verses are not going to tell you anything about that. The scriptural pattern that we see is that there are three things, and, and either Paul is an idiot or there was something else, and I'm not going to go out on the Paul's an idiot limb. I'm going to say Paul probably knew what he was talking about. So when they got saved, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you got saved? And they said, we didn't even know what that was. Well, let's get you baptized into Jesus. So before you can get baptized, you got to believe on him. And then you get baptized, and then he laid his hands on him. When, when they say, well, that, that's the way it was back then, but as time progressed, they didn't need that anymore. You have to realize that the book of, of, of Acts is written over decades. It's not written over weeks. A couple of these, I'll probably, maybe I'll hit this next week. A couple of these verses are like two and a half to three decades after Pentecost. We don't realize that because we don't study the word for it deep enough. We think everybody got saved, they got filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul showed up, Paul went out and evangelized the world, and that happened in like three weeks. But we're talking decades. Decades later, after Pentecost, Paul shows up and he's like, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, I thought you received that when you believed. Listen, there is a third thing that's got to happen in our life. And it's the clear scriptural pattern. There is salvation, there is baptism in water, and there's baptism in the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit brings you into the body. Water identifies you with the body. The Holy Spirit empowers you to live the life that is new in you. Now, this is the last thing I'm going to say. But I want to I just show you this very, very quickly. I want you to realize that this pattern is even in the life of Jesus, oddly. Crazy, huh? When we get saved, what do we call that? Born again. Because what I just said, people will go, Jesus didn't get saved. He was always perfect. Well, that's totally true, Right? Right? If not, I need to back up and teach some other doctrine. Jesus never sinned, correct? So therefore, he didn't need to be born again. He was born with a new life. He was born right. See, we have to born, be born again to get right, but he was born right. So, baptism of the Holy Spirit, check, from his birth. Was Jesus baptized in water? Why? Say them out loud. Fulfill prophecy, fulfill the law. Jake, you said something, I didn't hear it. Fulfill prophecy. Jesus didn't get baptized because he had to identify with a new life, did he? But he had to fulfill it, it had to happen. So one time way back when, I'm not gonna, I won't take time on this, but I preached about why is it that he had to be baptized. Because we get baptized to identify with new life in Christ. We're coming out of our sin. But he never sinned, so therefore he didn't need to be baptized for that reason. And one of those reasons, the main one, is that he had to fulfill the prophecy and fulfill the law. But the number two is that he did it as an example. So born into the right life, check. Baptized in water, check. What about being filled with the Holy Spirit? Hmm. Was Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit? And if he was, why did he need to be? This is my last thing. 
So I'm not going to take you on a long journey here. This is the last thing we're going to pray. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And then at the end of that, that's when he goes in to be tempted, right? And then when you get to verse 14, when he comes back out of the wilderness, it says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region. Jesus' life modeled what salvation was supposed to be. Jesus' life modeled what water baptism is supposed to be. And Jesus' life modeled what being filled with the Holy Spirit was supposed to be. Now, why is that particular one so important? Because we always put Jesus up on this pedestal, which we should, but we don't realize that he was fully God, but he was also fully man. And when he operated on this earth, he wasn't just operating out of his godlike powers. He was operating as we, therefore we have a high priest who can identify with our weaknesses. He had to do it like us, and we all say amen to that, but we... But we, we we say amen to it, but we don't really believe it a lot of times because we believe he must have had some extra something, something that we don't have. But what caused Jesus to be able to live the life he was living was not just that he was fully God. He was fully man, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Empowered by the Spirit, led by the Word of God. I, I love Luke 4, verse 1, because it says, Jesus, filled with the Spirit, returned from the Jordan, but then it says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. What was awaiting him in the wilderness? Satan was awaiting him in the wilderness. We think God will never allow us to walk into temptation? Does he tempt us? But he'll allow us to walk that direction. Right? Why does he, why does he do that? So that we come to a place of complete and total trust in his word and his spirit. This is, this is the last of what I'm going to say, so don't tune this part out because this is kind of where this all comes to. In our lives, we are going to be led into the wilderness of temptation. We'll be we will be led into trial. We will be led to that, that one that needs to be delivered from that, that devil. We will walk through the valley of the shadow. And oftentimes, we will be, the, the God doesn't tempt us. Scripture is very clear about that. God does not tempt us, but he does not always remove temptation from our life because there's something he wants to do in us so that we get so filled up with him and his word that we can overcome anything that comes our way. Now listen, I'm not getting any amens on this because you're all tired and getting ready to go home, but this is the most important part because this is where a lot of us are struggling we, we have to have, when, when Jesus goes into the wilderness, he goes in the power. He, he goes in filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is empowering the word of God through that entire situation. Satan comes to him and says, you know, eat that rock right there. You must be hungry. And Jesus, instead of being overwhelmed by his hunger, which he was hungry, instead of being overwhelmed, he said, it is written. And the Spirit of God went, boom, and knocked the enemy out. Go up on that temple and jump off. They'll take care of you. Boom, it is written. And the Holy Spirit knocked him out. Worship me and I'll give you the world. Worship God alone. Boom, Holy Spirit knocks him out. 
Well, that was just Jesus. That wasn't the whole. Oh. I want to help somebody, and then we're going to pray. Listen. If that was just Jesus, then I am hopeless. Ron got it. It was just Jesus, but we can't expect that in our own lives. If it was just Jesus, we're hopeless. Because if he was just doing that because he was super awesome, then I have no hope of overcoming my temptations. I have no hope of overcoming my sin. I have no hope of overcoming my identity, my view of who I am. I have no hope. If Jesus just did it because he's Jesus and he's awesome, then I, have, I, there, there's, I am lost. But if he did it through the power of the Holy Spirit, by the word of God, then there is great hope in me because I can do that as well. In fact, it's not just that I can do it. It's that God wants to do it, and it's how he has designed the entire program here so that this is how it works. So that I no longer have to say, I can't do that. I say, I can't do that, but the Holy Spirit in me can do all things. I can't overcome that sin. I can't overcome that mindset. I can't overcome this failure. But the Holy Spirit in me, as I speak the word of God, I shared a thing um, uh, the last CR that we had, they're on hope and healing. You should come to CR. It's really good. Um, Rick Warren was talking about this. We're going to talk about it tonight in the men's Bible study a little bit too because um, it just grabbed me. It grabbed me because it's right where we're at in the discipleship stuff. He was talking about how uh, when he got into ministry that uh, he was working like 18 hours every day, seven days a week, and he got like super depressed. He got really wore out, tired, and super depressed. And he was having a really difficult time overcoming that depression. And, and, and he said, what I did was I just started finding these scriptures that spoke to my situation, essentially, and I started memorizing them. Now, now in the ladies' discipleship, men's discipleship, it's like, here's the verse to memorize for the week. It's like, oh, geez, I'm going to memorize the verse. Oh, no, I'm going to memorize the verse. Listen, we got to flip. we got to flip the switch on what it means. We have to flip the switch on what it means. It's not a discipline that we have to do because pastor said to. I don't care if you do it or not. I mean, I do, but I don't. It's not that, that it's like, okay, when I, was in, when I was in children's church when I was a kid, if I came in and I was like, hey, I got the memory verse this week. For God so loved the world. And I get a gold star and they give me a dollar. And I'm like, man, I want to memorize every verse because I walk out of here every week with a dollar. When you're seven years old in, in the 70s, that's pretty awesome. If I memorize the verse, I get a dollar. What is, the, what is better than that? So that's why I did it. But I never realized that they were, that they were, they were, they were okie-doking me. Because my mom and, and sister Eva Arnett knew that if I got those verses in me, that later on, no matter where my life took me, that those verses were going to come back and be effective in my life. And so Rick Warren said, here's the thing. I started memorizing these verses, and, and I started fighting that depression. I started fighting that with the, with the truth of the word of God. And he said God brought him out of that. And, and this is his testimony, not mine. He said since that day, and this was years ago, he said I have not gone into depression like that ever again. Now, here's what he said. It's not that I don't go through discouragement. We all go through ups and we all go through downs. That's human life, right? But he said, I've never gone back into that place again because I, I was delivered from that by the truth of the word of God. 
Okay? Now, am I, now listen, why did I say that? I'm saying that because when we get filled with the Holy Spirit and we, we connect that together with the Word of God, we become unstoppable. When Mark 16 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, Jesus meant it when he said it. And we can't do it. But when we get filled with the Holy Spirit and we connect that with the truth of the word of God, then we can do all things. We can do it. You can do it. Well, pastor, I'll throw a couple bucks in the offering and you can do it. No, it's not that I'm going to. I'm going to do my part, do my thing. But he wants to use you to go and preach the gospel to every creature. See, these ones that Joshua's praying with the needle in their arm and God encounter them and get the needle out of their arm. God's wanting to lead you right to some of those people and say, here's how you get the needle out of your arm. Here's how you get past that addiction. Here's how you get past that brokenness. Here's how you get past that place where you're at in your life. And he wants to lead you right to him. And you can't do it. What can I do? For someone that's, that's got a needle that's in their arm, what can I do? I can do nothing but the Holy Ghost inside of me and the Word of God and the body that I've been baptized into, we can do anything. And we got to have a shifted view because our view here is still, listen, nobody take these things personally if it happens to be you because I'm just throwing out randoms. But, but, but they are, they're specific, but they're random, because if I say your thing, I just want you to know there's more than you. Because I say stuff, and then people go, you were talking about me. Listen, I'm not talking about anybody in particular. But some of you are not going doing great exploits for God because you still think you were who you were, who you were when you were 12 years old. You're still more identified with the crack you used to smoke than the God, the, the living God that is inside of you. You're still identified with, with that, that, that social anxiety thing that so overwhelms you. Listen, that one's personal to me because I've got social anxiety to the core. But I can no longer use that as an excuse to keep me from doing the thing that God has called me to do. That one's very personal to me. That probably doesn't mean anything to you, but that one means everything to me. Because I always want to be like, I can't do that. I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to say that. I don't want to be, I don't want to do that because, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm too shy and I'm too, I'm too. And then he's like, okay, well, I'm going to call you to preach the gospel. Oh, God, you don't want to do that. I, I promise you don't want to do that. You do not want to call me to stand in front of people. I promise you that. And yet here I am. And don't you for one second think that I don't often battle with, with that very thing, walking up in front of you or anybody else and, and standing up and saying something or standing up and praying or standing up and doing whatever it is that God has called me to do. Listen, I share those things because I want you to understand I'm not thinking I got it all together up here. I cannot identify with a thing that I know that it holds me back. And I know at times I tweak some of you. I realize that. Because I won't identify with that stupid thing that you keep identifying yourself with. Because I can't. And I won't. Because it's not God. It's not the Word. It's not the Spirit. And while I understand and while I can, while I can relate to many things, I cannot get down there with you. Because God says, 
come up out of that grave. Come up out of that grave. Get the word inside of you. Get the Holy Spirit inside of you. Let me just say this. How do I get that Holy Spirit inside of me? You just go and you pray and you seek him and you take it by faith. We're going to talk about this down the road, but I have to stop. So, listen, people are like, I can't speak in tongues. I'm not telling you to speak in tongues. You'll notice I've barely even mentioned tongues in any of this for very specific reasons. Because we get wrapped up in tongues and we don't get the Holy Spirit because we sit around thinking we got to speak in tongues and we don't speak in tongues and we're like, oh, I guess I can't get it. Will you speak in tongues? Probably. But you're not, you're not pursuing tongues. You're pursuing the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Whatever comes with that is what comes with it. Don't get caught up in things. If you are saved, if you've been baptized, you can get the Holy Ghost even if you haven't been baptized yet. The only one that has to be in order is salvation. You're not going to get the Holy Ghost before you got saved. All of them are important, but you need to understand. And I know I've know I got to stop right here, and I'm going to. I'm going to stop right here. We have to break out in this church, in this church, in my life, in my family, in your life, in your family. We have to break out of the poverty spirit, the broken, we're never going to be anything spirit, the I can't do anything for God spirit. We, we need to come to the full realization that all of those things are true, and yet the word of God and the, the power of God through his Holy Spirit over trumps all of those things. There is no one too broken. There's no one too stupid. There's no one too powerless. There's no one that doesn't have a gift. It's already in there. You just got to walk in it. Amen? So, Father, right now I pray in this church. I pray in this church. Fresh fresh baptisms with fire for all of us. Lord, whether there are those that are in this room that have never never received that infilling of the Holy Spirit or whether they have received it and it's just been a while since there's been a refreshing, Lord, we know, we now have seen and we understand your truth that there is, there is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to baptize us in, in, by Jesus, that Jesus, you would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire, so that we would overcome everything that holds us back, so that there would be nothing that holds us back anymore, so that we could run, because there is a world that is waiting for someone to preach the word, somebody to share with them, somebody to reach them. And Lord, we're wrapped up in ourselves in the church, and I pray that for a fresh baptism of fire, so that we can get outside of ourselves, and we can begin to reach out, and we can begin to touch those, because your word says, how will they know unless somebody tells them? Lord, and you have commissioned us. Repeatedly in the scripture, you have commissioned us and said, go into the world and preach the gospel. Go into the world and make disciples. And God, I pray that for a fresh baptism of fire in us, Lord God, so that we could do the things, so that we could be the witness that you've called us to be, so that we can live the life that you've called us to live. No more, no more of the enemy's lies overarching and overtrumping your word and your spirit in us. No longer do we identify with this, this, the words of Satan himself 
but we identify with who you are and we rise up in the boldness of the spirit. We rise up in the boldness of the word of God. And we go and we do what it is that you've called us to do. And I pray, Father, that that wouldn't just be a prayer that we would pray right now as we're just getting ready to end a service. But, Lord, that every day, every day, every day we would, we would wake up in the morning and say, Lord, baptize me fresh in your Holy Spirit for this day. Because what, what happened yesterday was yesterday, but, Lord, I need a fresh baptism for today. I need your Holy Spirit moving in me today. I need your power in me today. And whoever you lead me to and wherever you lead me, let it be led by you and let it be empowered by you and your word. I pray that you would do in this church and people, that you would do things in people and, and people just look around and say, I, I don't understand what's happening in that person because they're not that person, but now they are because of your spirit. I pray, Father, as, as a body that at the Refuge Church, if others, don't want it, if others don't want that as part of their theology, God bless them, Lord, but I want all your power. I want all your fire because I know that I need it. I am weak, but you are strong in me. So I pray for daily, daily fresh baptisms, Lord. I thank you for that today. Father, as we get ready to finish this, this, this meeting today, Lord, I pray over every person that's here and every person watching, Lord, that you will bless them and keep them, cause your face to shine on them. That you be gracious to them, lift up your countenance upon them, give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.